I think maybe what's the most contrarian thing? To find win-win solutions, I think. Not not to think of the world as zero sum. I grew up pretty competitive. And I'm not sure that that's like the best thing actually. And it might be more productive to actually teach them to be less competitive with others and more to think about like better global outcomes. I don't know how to teach that. There's some set point in children that they don't like losing. So even when you try to explain to them why like this loss is irrelevant or it's in your head or whatever, they get very, very upset about it. Welcome to Brave. Learn from Southeast Asia's best tech leaders. Build a future, learn from our past, and stay human in between. No BS on success. I'm Jeremy Al, venture capitalist, serial founder, Harvard MBA, sci-fi nerd, and dad of two daughters. Join our movement of over 12,000 members for transcripts, analysis, and community at www.bravesea.com. Do you manage your own IT for distributed teams in Asia? You know how painful it is. Asseville helps your in-house team by taking tough tasks off their hands and giving them the tools to manage IT effectively. Get help across eight countries in Asia-Pacific, which includes onboarding, procurement, device management, real-time IT support, offboarding, and more. Gain full control of all your IT infrastructure in one place with our state-of-the-art platform. Check out Esevel, E-S-E-V-E-L.com and get a demo today. Use our referral code BRAVE for three months free. Terms and conditions apply. Morning, Cheyenne. We're going to be discussing one of our favorite topics, being a parent. And then we combine it with our day jobs, which is panicking about artificial intelligence and the internet and the future. And then, uh, is it panicking? I feel like it's being delighted by. Delighted by? Okay, yeah. I don't know how you feel. And okay, well, well, well. Let's 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 get into the feelings. Okay, so that's a great way to start. Like, what do you feel? You're saying you're feeling excited. Yeah, Why? it's amazing. I mean, there's that classic quote, right? Which is, "Any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic," and I think watching the generative AI, both on the text and the image side, is magical, right? That you could like talk to it and it does stuff for you in totally natural language and often at better quality than what you expected or possibly what you could do yourself. Definitely on the art side, I could not generate that quality of art myself. So I think that's pretty, it's pretty delightful. But you were speaking of fear, so I mean, I mean, we can talk about that as well, which is, I think, a lot of people fearing about being replaced. What does that mean kind of for the structure of society and jobs? And I think, I think that's like also real, but that's part of capitalism. And also new jobs will be created, right? So it's not like it's totally, like it's a total zero, right? Some things will go away and then new things will get created and people have even like new and crazier jobs. So I don't know, delighted, but I'm an optimist, right? I think now I have to like caveat all my conversations with like, hey, I'm an optimist. That's my job. I have to be an optimist. So you should take all my comments in that spirit. Man, 
the one thing about sci-fi in the modern generation is that optimism is very uncool. It's all about you got to get your doomsday, you got to prep. You gotta... Well, I was never cool, so that seems incredibly <laughs> consistent. Well, I mean, yeah, I think there's fear, right? I mean, the truth of the matter is that this is not a new sensation for so many jobs, right? You look at blue-collar jobs, like manufacturing is a good example, right? There's so much technology and robots and equipment that's focused on efficiency. You see factories closing, they're opening up in new places. So I think this dog-eat-dog world has always been happening in the manufacturing slash blue-collar kind of jobs, right? Like, who, how many people weave by hand these days, right? <laughs> no, it's like all mechanical, it's all factories, it's mass production. I think what's interesting is that this is the first time it's happening to highly paid white collar jobs, right? In the sense that you have AI that is effectively able to do twice the output in for much cheaper, for example, for lots of jobs that writing would be a good example, right? Where there's poetry, well, they can't write great poetry, but, uh, but you know, there's a lot of like business writing, right? That's getting automated out. I think we also see uh, some progression where it's only a matter of time where it already passes the legal bar exam, it passes the me medical exam, right? And, you know, it's just going to keep progressing, right? So I thought it was just an interesting dynamic where I kind of recognized, like, first of all, like, AI doesn't really change the future if you are a plumber and you want your child to be a plumber because it's that wave of technology doesn't interface with the meat space real world dynamic, right? But I think I noticed that a lot of the middle-class parents that I'm part of a cohort of are frankly worried, right? Because they're just like, okay, what do I teach my kids, right? How do I prepare them for that future, right? And it always reminds me of that ad, right? That some tuition agency had was like, future-proof your children, right? <laughs> and <it's> like... <laughs> anyway, I just thought it was funny, right? Like, how do you make sure that your child is like thriving in that world, right? That's going to be so different in 20, 30 years. Yeah, I mean, I think every parent wants that for their kids. And hmm. I think it's probably like a good reckoning that, what is it? Like children are not vessels to be filled, right? Like we, there's this sort of like, oh, if I can just fill them with the right activities or the right tuition, like all the right stuff is in their brains, then they can go off and like go to fancy schools and make tons of money and like cushy white collar jobs. And it's like, I don't think that narrative has been true for a while. And I think this is an acceleration of that. And so, yeah, like we have to teach our children to like use their brains, tap into their empathy and humanity and all those sorts of things. And you can't just be good at, at, at regurgitating a bunch of stuff because you're never so, going to out regurgitate a computer. Yeah. Yeah. I remember growing up and I, I got to read encyclopedias, right? And I yeah, you can still read encyclopedias. Like, so I think this is the thing that's true, right? Which is like, what is the value of knowing how to spell, right? I'm, I have a primary one child right now and we're going through every week we have a spelling test and she's sort of like, why do I need to know how to spell? You know, like she knows there's like autocorrect and a spell checker. All this is like, so, so what's the value of learning how to spell in, in the age of, of, of spell checkers? And it's sort of like, well, what's the point of knowledge? Having any knowledge in your brain in the age of GPT and, and AI and things like that. And I mean, I think that you still need to have a base of knowledge in order to use AI effectively. It's like how you take your base and use it to like answer more questions and solve more problems that is going to be valuable. It's not the act of like having all these physical knowledge items stuck in your head that is going to be valuable. 
And so it's like, well, what's the point of learning how to spell, right? Well, one is like, you want to be able to communicate effectively. And if you're constantly misspelling things, you're probably going to miscommunicate a bunch of stuff, which is not your intention. So like your goal is to communicate effectively. This is going to help you with your goal. You want to signal to people that you're well-educated, right? Because people will think differently of you if your spelling is completely garbage. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that's like an interesting, she doesn't really buy it. She's constantly wishing for a machine <laughs> that would do her homework for her. And it's sort of like, yeah, that machine sort of already exists, but you still have to do your homework. Sorry. Sorry, dude. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, your kids are a little younger, so you don't have to worry about spelling tests and things like that. Well, you know, two years old and pretty much a one year old. And I think the magic question for us is like, yeah, do we think about screen time? devices they love devices my two-year-old likes to walk around and pretends that she's carrying a mobile phone taking videos of people uh, yeah because that's what you guys do right they copy yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're little copying mimics. us right? i know and so it's just, it's just like ah, oh no what have i done <laughs> is it too late to put the two face back in the tube right but i think the thing is you know what's true of course is like what what there's a what you teach the child right and when i was young i didn't know how to tie a tie, right? Because I went to school that had ties, right? And so I was very privileged because, first of all, there were people around me who would teach me how to tie a tie. And I remember I went to the library and they actually had a book on tie tying, right? All the different knots. And I obviously <laughs> learned one, the half Windsor knot. And I, and I just did it, right? And it was crazy that there was a book on tying ties. And of course, at that time, there's internet. So there was all these like written instructions because some weirdo on the internet was like, I feel like the world needs to know how to tie a tie. They write on the they forums. They were just running an SEO farm. No, I mean, it was a kid. It was, just, it, was a, it was like one of those, like, there's no advertising. It was just one of those forums, right? And I remember looking at those things. And then he was just like, yeah, there's no such thing as today. There's no such thing as a tie tying course or book even these days, right? You just go on the internet, you get video, et cetera, et cetera. And I think there's a lot of similarity where I'm like, hey, my kid's going to ask me, why is the sky blue, right? And then I'm going... I was supposed to answer the question. <laughs> and now I think I should just give her like, I don't know. I want to give her a device that's chat GPT. And then before every prompt, I write a reminder to it. It's like, you are talking to a two-year-old or three-year-old and do not say anything weird. <laughs> and then just let the device educate my child on everything, right? It's just like a magical storybook that just explains everything. I, I know mean, it's crazy. Have yeah. you read Diamond Age? Those are one of the... That is actually on my two read books. But uh, that is actually what ChatGPT yeah. is, right? Diamond yeah. Age, like the, the the young lady's primer, yeah, is the thing that answers all her questions. And yeah, like yeah, like I mean, I I think it's incredible that people are growing up in the age where they can get any question answered. And my child does not accept when I say to her, "I don't know the answer to something," she will say, "Ask Google, Mama." <laughs> okay. <laughs> And it is very funny because she has this notion of like, what does Google know? Google knows everything. And we have to explain that like Google doesn't know everything and some things you probably don't want Google to know. So it's, it's but, but she doesn't accept that you don't know. She wants the answer. And so I think these are like incredible tools to, and to teach them to be more self-sufficient. To say, hey, hey, you have a question? Go ask, go ask and like read the answer and then tell me what you think about that. And what are you going to do with that answer from there? I think that's actually incredibly powerful. 
It's yeah. just how do you give them that without them getting distracted and going off to YouTube or TikTok and doing other <laughs> random stuff? Because that's what you don't want. It's like, oh, you want to know how like lightning works? Like, here, knock yourself out. Go talk to ChatGPT about that. I mean, the curiosity part is true, right, of every child. And I'm still curious, thankfully. And so, yeah, I use ChatGPT all the time, right? So I was recently learning. I had some bad cholesterol numbers. So I was literally learning about the mechanism of cholesterol by I had YouTube on half the screen and I had ChatGPT on the other side. And I was just like, there's some stuff that the video explained. And after that, I was like, okay, why do blood vessels get inflamed? And I just had to ask ChatGPT on the side because it's easier. And I was just thinking to myself, man, like, if I was like a teenager and I was studying biology, this is so much easier, right? Because now you have visuals, you have YouTube, you have ChatGPT. Yeah. Uh, like, it's, it's, I think it's a great, I don't know what's the word. Like, it's like a great leveling up tool, right? In yeah. that you have the bit of interaction. So like, I've seen examples like people who are not native English speakers. Right. They, they basically can say like, hey, here are the bullets I want to say, right? And right. then it'll sort of write in prose for you. And that's like a way to like, improve your own writing, right? Because yeah. it's your own ideas being transformed right. versus saying like, oh, I'm going to read the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times or something. That's an example of good writing. And then me as a non-native English speaker, I'm going to try to like improve my writing. That's like a much harder leap versus, hey, here are things I wanted to say anyway. And now I can kind of see it and you can sort of interact with it, right? So even like, I think teachers are like, oh, I don't want my students like wholesale generate essays using ChatGPT and submit them, right? But you could imagine a learning process where it's like, hey, why don't you write an outline in class first, right, of what you think you're going to do? And then go home and feel free to interact with ChatGPT, but go through the iterative process of like, hey, how can you improve this, right? What other ideas might you have? And maybe you come back out with actually a better finished product, but not taking away the fact that you actually have to do some of the work yourself first. Right. And so, like, I think teachers will, educators will have to figure out how to, like, restructure how they assign work, how they get work out of kids, because there's so much more stuff that can be automated. But it doesn't have to be a total zero sum game is what I'm trying to say. Like, there are ways, I think, to incorporate it into the learning process that actually would improve the quality of learning. Yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunity for both educators, right? I think to help improve the lesson plans, change how they're doing it. And, and I actually know a lot of teachers who are just happy around it because they're improving the lesson plan. And I think National University of Singapore has actually issued guidelines, right, to teachers. And they're just basically saying, hey, essays are going to be tough <laughs> because ChatGPT. And so we should do more group work, right? Or more experiential referral learning. Or if you give them permission to use ChatGPT, but then ask them to reflect whether ChatGPT's answers are right or wrong, so kind of counter-debate it. I think those are all interesting dynamics for sure. And I think, like you said, I think it will accelerate learning and reinforcement for so many folks around the world. I think that's really the plus. I think where the anxiety is, is like, well, in that case, what professions or how would you do the job in the future, right? And the truth of the matter is that I think about it as like, I'm doing jobs that my parents and grandparents have no idea about, right? I'm in technology, I'm doing in finance and investing. It was like, this job didn't exist, right? Effectively 50 years ago in this part of the world, right? So I'm just kind of curious about, yeah, how do you prepare, right? The next, what's the word? For the next wave, I guess. You have to make them good at learning. So we had to teach them how to be good at learning. <laughs> Sorry. 
Yeah. I, I, yeah. It's, it's ironic, but also true. But it's not uh, ironic. Like it, yeah. I, I think I think that's what you have to do. Like, you don't know what the future is going to be like. So you need to be good at learning new stuff, right? Yeah. That's how you deal with the future. And you need a strong enough base of, like, eternal education. That's, I think we talked about this last week, right? Which is, like, you need to be numerate and literate, obviously. You can, like, read, do some math. But then have some of these base building blocks so that when you do face a new situation that does require like different skills, you can approach it you know, from first principles and be like, okay, like, well, how would I think about this? And if I don't know the answer, how would I find the answer? How would I find people who have the answer? How would I assemble these little pieces together to come together to put together a solution, right? But that I think is the, that's the thing that people need to learn, which is how do you solve problems? Right, and how do you look at data and, and figure out a way to get there? Um, and I don't think a lot of school is oriented around that. So, like, even this point about like, okay, you can't assign essays; you need to like assign group work or something, right? Like, I've often thought that we should actually just assign people problems to solve rather than like weird theoretical demonstrations of knowledge. <laughs> hey. It reminds me of demonstration knowledge. Last time, trivia was a really great asset, right? That showed that you're smart, right? The fact that you had lots of trivia. Yeah, dinner but it's pointless, right? Pointless today, I mean, because of Google, right? But we still have game shows about people who remember all these random trivia stuff, right? Like, who won the golf championship 20 years ago, right? Like, who cares? Like, who, who cares? cares? Who but cares? people used to be rewarded for that, right? As a social skill. And now, you know, you'll be the weirdo talking about it randomly. Well, no. I mean, you can be an enthusiast, right? So if you're a golf enthusiast, then you can be like, oh, man, that was an amazing match, blah, blah, blah. Remember when he did that thing? Right. So it's like a thing to connect on. But like, is that what education should be oriented around? No, right? I think education should be oriented around like, like, I would think it would actually be more interesting. So instead of like, hey, here's addition, here's multiplication, here's like these. I was like, okay, like, why don't you guys go and figure out how to, here's $10 to start go figure out how to go make something or sell something, turn it into $100 and come back and explain to us how you did it. No, that's, a, that's a good point, right? It's I like mean, you would use all the math skills, but you'd use other things too. You'd like talk to people, you'd like do all this sort of stuff. And then like, I feel like that's kind of what the real world is like. No one in your job is like, here, take this test for me and tell me, like get, get this thing 100% correct. No, someone's like, sell this thing, go appease this angry customer. Like, like that's like you're delivering work you're delivering solutions to something that's why somebody pays you and so why don't we actually teach people how to do that instead of you know like i said weird demonstrations of knowledge like yeah. knowledge is useful if you can't apply it useless I mean, if you can't apply it i mean it's true that there's weird applications that we're not going to be sad to see you go but i think definitely we see that the in our parents' time, the calculator didn't really exist, right? You had to do everything by hand for multiplication and division, right? And in, I remember for the younger generations today, so many of them actually can't even divide a bill. <laughs> so they have to use calculator, right? Even though it's like pretty obvious when I look at it. Is that but yeah, true? Yeah. <clears throat> I think you can see that. And, and, but because you have calculator, everyone has a calculator in your pocket now, right? It's in your phone. Yeah, but I got the uh, brain in my head. It works. I don't even have to pull it out. I just do the math <laughs> in my head. I can tell you right now that a lot of folks would rather use a calculator, right? 
And so I just think that there's a lot of like basic math skills that have atrophied. And that's okay because we have calculator anyway, like you said, right? So it's not as if we're missing anything. But when we don't have the calculator, then we're just kind of stuck, right? So we're kind of like captive to that technology, right? Another skill that I, I, I think that will go the way of the dodo going extinct is like driving, right? For example, like the truth is, I think horseback riding used to be a really important skill for the upper class and the middle class to demonstrate they were on their way up, right? And everybody who was like certain level was like, okay, I can ride a horse, right? Heck, you to make sure you're an official or a civil servant or somebody could afford a horse, right? And now it's just a very quaint hobby that people have, right? <laughs> At specific clubs, right? And I was just thinking to myself, like, yeah, my kids and me and my grandkids, it's going to be quaint for you to drive your own car when you have self-driving cars and you can just like, I don't know, play Candy Crush version 27 while the car is going. So that's a skill that's going to go, I think, extinct in the next 50 years, driving yourself. So I think this is a lot of skills that are just going to go away, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I think to bring us back to the question, which is like, what do you teach your kid? in the age of AI, it might go away, but also I mean, it's like, okay, well, what if the AIs have taken over and you need to escape and you don't know how to drive? <laughs> and here's your gun range lessons and you know, forest foraging at a nature school, right? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, hopefully like it doesn't, you don't just become like, a bunch of thinking cells without any physical skills. I think that'd be really weird. I mean, I think one thing I do think about is that I think people are going to raise a lot more digital children, actually. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they won't be able to avoid it. I don't think yeah. you, you can avoid it. And so, uh, how do you, I mean, they want, they want devices all the time. And I, I don't like giving them devices. And I told them because it, it makes them zombies and it makes them really cranky. And I don't like dealing with cranky children. I mean, I was uh, thinking to myself, like, man, AI plus Pokemon is an awesome combination. Like, you're taking care of these Pokemon, and then the Pokemon just goes to Squirtle. But then it just happens to say in a very, like, emotional slash engaging way. And I just think that, I, a, I think there's a sensation in my head that I think my child's best friend is going to be the internet <laughs> slash some robot personality. And there's a lot of social robotics companies like Jibo. Uh, there's a bunch of them has just come out, right? They're just going to become best, trying to be best friends with kids. I don't even know. Yeah, it's an interesting question, right? Like, everyone can deal with having more supportive voices in their lives. Yeah. And so maybe if kids do have, like, a really supportive, friendly sidekick that's kind of, like, helping them along, maybe that's not a bad thing. Yeah. Brought to you by Disney. Well, I mean, the truth of the matter is I always tell people, like, you know, who does more moral education for kids? The Vatican or Disney, right? And I always oh, tell people, wow. like, I mean, hands down, I think Disney does more, like, moral education of children using Pixar, Inside Out. It's like, let yeah. it go, be yourself, come yeah. to a Disney theme park. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I think it's interesting, right? I do think some, like, an affliction of modern society often is more isolation and loneliness. Yeah. And so... I guess I wonder, maybe there could be a world where like everyone has their own, like, I don't know, what do you call it? Buddy, digital <laughs> Digital buddy, nanny. Digital buddy. And, Bestie. And they 
they talk to your kid and you give them a bunch of training data that you've approved. <laughs> right. Please duplicate me at my best and with two cups of coffee and be this child's friend. <laughs> yeah, and, and chat and chat with him or her and, and flag any issues that might come up. <laughs> Please rat my child out if they are experiencing well, deviancy. <laughs> I mean I, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's I, I know people who go through a lot of like mental health issues and things like right. that. And one of it is like they don't feel like they have anyone to talk to. Or they're in like weird loops and people get tired of talking to them. And maybe there is a way to like use technology for good and help people kind of work their, themselves out of that. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's the hopeful side of me. And then, I mean, I think the truth of the matter is like, I mean, I, I, I used to be a gamer. I still game, but I find it really, really hard to not game. And to be honest, right. Is this, if like I start playing addictive. the game, it's addictive, right? And it's because I get drawn into it. And, and one thing I've had, I mean, I'm on a, Parallel note very quickly, I've lost 10, 20 kilograms over the past three years, right? But part of that realization was just like processed foods are really, really, really hard to fight because I would eat all these Oreos and chips and I'd be like, well, I can't stop, right? And then, and then I blame myself for not stopping, right? And after a while, I read some books, like there's a great book by called Salt, Sugar, Fat, but it talks about the expose of the, the industry, but it's a billion dollar industry and team on the other side, right? They have the world's best food scientists, they make things delicious for you. Make, yeah, they make things super delicious, right? And, and literally, there's like memos that go around saying like, the best thing about this product is that it's delicious, but it doesn't fill you up, right? We discovered that you eat some of it, it, gets, it makes you hungrier and wants you to make, eat more of it. That's why you can't, the truth is you can probably eat 5,000 calories of potato chips. You can't oh, eat 5,000 calories of broccoli, right? Because potato chips kind of like are designed to just be processed really quickly, right? And you know, it's literally, there's literally a slice there that's just saying like, this is awesome. I mean, like, what was it? Pringles ad is like, bet you can't just stop at one. <laughs> like, that's a that's a flat out campaign for cigarettes. You can't stop at one cigarette. You can't stop for one hit of cocaine. So, what was the secret? How did you, how did you kick the processed food? Well, I did this weird thing where I started, at least on the internet. I'll tell you the weirdest thing I did was, um, <laughs> I started subscribing to all these health influencers like processed foods. I put the subscribe button. I put my email out. And then I'll report the processed foods as spam. And so I was training the algorithm to only show me positive stuff. And just to like steer clear. Clearly this person thinks Oreos are like, I don't know, abusive. They don't show me that stuff anymore, right? I mean, that's what I was trying to do in order to like, I don't know, guide myself on the current, right? And so I, I think, I think this is dynamic for games as well, right? Which is like, I think in the past you're playing, I don't know, Tetris and Pong, okay, that's one level, right? And then obviously I played lots of games, but now games are just, there's a huge team on the other side that's just making it very, very fun, but also that you can play for a longer period of time, right? And so we talked about that in the previous episode, yeah. the TikTok episode, which was like the TikTok CEO doesn't let his child use TikTok, right? Which was an interesting dynamic, right? Remember? Wait, <laughs is that like, true? Yeah, he, he said, like, I was like, do you let your child use TikTok? And he's like, oh, we have a great TikTok suitable for children in the US, but we don't have that yet in Singapore. So I don't, my child doesn't use TikTok. And I was like, okay. But like, I'm just saying, like, I don't know, there's like a Coca-Cola executives. There are many Coca-Cola executives who don't drink that much Coke. You, you know, know Warren Buffett, though, drinks a ton of Coke. 
I know. And McDonald's something. and eats these candies. And look at that guy. Well, he's got crushing also, like, it. Medical team sure that's also working on the other end, right? <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just saying, like, that there's some things that you just need more. It's not just a parent and child thing, right? But it's actually like there's a governmental regulation, right? And we talked about it, right? Which is, a, would we be in favor of some government regulation around social media, right? So I think there's something equivalent for AI, right? I don't know. Maybe it's like, if you're an AI, you have to disclose that you're an AI. <laughs> I'm just saying, right? Oh, another example is like Instagram, right? I mean, in, in live streaming, like I have two daughters and I was looking at the Instagram and I have this great, account and shows like all the photoshopping that happens like unrealistic body standards yeah, yeah, right yeah, yeah, yeah. and i was just like and i'm just like so crazy because these filters not only work for photos which i can't tell the difference <laughs> but but they also work for video nowadays right so tiktok released an ai video filter that makes you this tremendously good looking i'm just like and you can't tell it really, and you can and like, they used to be able like if they raise your hand and put it in front of your face you'll be able to tell the filter because it, it breaks and now it doesn't break at all so i just think there's like I don't know. Confusion on my part. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's back to like, you're obviously trying to give them the skills to regulate themselves, right? So how do you catch yourself when you're like, oh, that's too much. I need to stop. Or like, that doesn't feel good. How do I not go down? Like, so you're like, hey, I need to stop processed foods. I'm going to take action to counteract that. How do you do that? So, yeah, I think that's interesting. Like, we try to teach this thing, I don't know, it's, I think, mixed success, right? Is to sort of say, like, when am I tired? Because sometimes kids will go past the point of tired, and then they become overtired, and then, like, oh yeah, it's terrible. Like, all hell breaks loose, right? Yeah. And so we're trying to teach them this, like, hey, check in with your body. Are you feeling tired? And do you need to, like, go to bed? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you need to wind down yeah, yeah, yeah and sometimes it works like sometimes they'll come and they'll like self-report they're like you know what i'm kind of tired right now i think we should go home yeah it's really hard obviously when there's like way more kids and they just want to keep going keep going keep going but like yeah. i think i don't know we all need those little self-regulation spots right it's like oh uh, you know i've already had three cups of coffee maybe i should stop <laughs> switch to water pull back right yeah, I think mindfulness might be one of those skills that I'll just have to teach my kids because the truth is, well, the other alternative is, I don't know, you train an AI to be their, I don't know, German shepherd to protect them from other AI. But I think mindfulness is a probably a core skill that children should learn, I think. Otherwise, I think I think I just get, I think everybody's trying to hijack you, right? Once you, once you log on to the internet, like, like everyone's trying to hijack you, right? Stay longer on this side, read more. I'm on YouTube and I get stuck because I'm doing like, I'm a history guy, right? So I like read history and Wikipedia and then YouTube is just like, oh, here's another great history video about, I don't know, 18th century silk weaving in India. And I'm like, oh, this is so interesting. And then sometimes it's like, oh my God, Jeremy, you can't consume the internet. I tell myself all the time, like Jeremy, you can't consume the internet. There's, there's, there's infinite content. <laughs> there's more content than I can humanly consume, right? It um, is crazy. I wish I'd had this internet when I was a teenager. Because I feel like when I was a teenager, the internet wasn't that good. <laughs> yeah. well, like, those... they hadn't put that much stuff on it yet, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but it's at least all humans back then. There was no commercials. It was all... Yeah, but, like, now you could, like, learn anything you want on the internet. 
right? And it is kind of incredible. Like there was that guy in the last Olympics who like taught himself how to throw javelin or whatever from India and like made it to the Olympics. So it's like, that's kind of awesome. And like now I don't save manuals for anything. That's true. Because if I need it, I'll just like look it up on Google or YouTube. Like, okay, how do I do this thing, right? On my yeah. coffee machine or whatever it is. So I, I don't know. I, I'm a little jealous of all these young people with all this free time who can like read the internet and be way smarter, may more prepared for the world than I was when I was like a dumb 18-year-old. What's a contrarian skill that you would teach your child? Okay, my I think my one is, I think spirituality or values is something that I do think about. Uh, my friend asked me recently, he's like, okay, why are you bring up your child in faith and so, so forth? And I said, yeah, I, you know, honestly, if, if my child picks a different faith or version of spirituality in... 18 years or whatever it is, I'm okay with it, right? I'm not. But in the meanwhile, like, I think it's just nice for them to get rooted to human symbolism and some sense of, you know, steadiness. I don't know. And because I don't know what, the internet is a great teacher and it has its own moral and morality and philosophy implicitly. It's, which is not bad, not good, but I think we just have to recognize that if you give your child three hours of TikTok on Sunday morning in lieu of, you know, whatever it is, yeah, TikTok is going to teach you something, right? About what is popular, what is desirable, what you should do, what you should not do, right? Uh, and so I think the internet, by its education, by its algorithms, provides some level of values education by itself, right? So I think that would be my contrarian take is like, yeah, I think it's, I would like to teach my kid maybe a, a sense of wonder of the sublime and, I don't know, life, right? Yeah, I mean, I think, I'm not super religious, but I think the wonder that I really want my kids to have is about the physical world. So yeah. spending time outdoors in nature, like just like amazing nature, right? Like mountains and rivers and all that sort of stuff. You're just like, wow, the world is like vast and amazing. And like, I think a lot about like shared humanity like there's you can go all over the world and people can seem very different but the, at the end of it they're everyone is like a human being and like there's they have a story and you should probably like take the time to like learn what each person's story is mm. i think that's like something you hope they have yeah but i don't think that's particularly contrarian yeah probably i think maybe what's the most contrarian thing to find win-win solutions i think mm, interesting yeah like, not, not to think of the world as zero-sum. I don't know. I grew up pretty competitive. And I'm not sure that that's, like, the best thing, actually. And it might, it might be more productive to actually teach them to be less competitive with others and more to think about, like, better global outcomes. So, I don't know. I don't know how to teach that. They, they, there's some set point in children that they don't like losing. So even when you try to explain to them why like this loss is irrelevant or it's in your head or whatever, they get very, very upset about it. Yeah, I think humanity and humans are very generic, right? Uh, I always tell you, like, humans are like V0.1 alpha, while AI and computers are like version 25.87, right? We're still running on the basic code. Like, yeah, I think every kid, every human is competitive and collaborative, right? Those are the impulses that we have always right yeah 
Yeah. But it's like some competitions aren't worth engaging in. And so how do you kind of have the presence of mind to be like, oh, yeah, this doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Why am I getting upset about it, you know? I think how to compete and how to collaborate. That's an interesting skill, right? Yeah. Yeah. And when to do it. I think a lot of competitions are kind of silly. So I, I think that's like something that's like interesting to kind of like have your own mind about like which things are worth engaging in or not and don't get kind of dragged into competing over things that don't matter. So. Yeah. I mean, I think the adjacent side to it is just because it's competitive doesn't mean it's valuable to you. Right? That's, that's one thing I share right sometimes it's just like yeah just because getting to this company is very selective doesn't mean that the company is the right fit for you right because by making it competitive it generates scarcity and prestige in that sense right because you beat a hundred other humans to get that job right so i think that self-awareness is hard to i don't know it's hard to teach i think yeah well have you read the guy who's like wait but why he has this whole thing about how basically like humans are just status monkeys (laughs) status monkeys I, I mean, I, 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 uh, Randall, right? I know. I, I like that guy as well. But wait, status monkeys is, is I, I remember hearing about it once, but it's still hilarious. Sorry. Wait, so you mean teach your kids not to be status monkeys or teach your kids to be status monkeys? Not to be status monkeys, but that, that's like what motivates a lot. Like, it's always like the absolute versus relative thing, right? Yeah. It's like most people, like if you think about it, like on an absolute basis, most Singaporeans are actually pretty like in the world, right? Like if you think about it, are pretty well off. Right. But it doesn't matter as much to them, right? It's like, who cares like me versus some random person in a country that I can't see? Like I care about how I am relative to like my neighbor or my mm-hmm. cousin or like people want to feel like relatively better off. Right. And I think sometimes you have to like dial that back, right? Which is like, why does that matter to me? Yeah. Like, why can't I feel like, appreciative and grateful for all the things that I do have and like lead the life that I have. Yeah. You know, I don't need to worry about other people. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that's like a, that's more not, not technology related, much more philosophical. So in 20 years when your kids are in the workforce and maybe this podcast will still be around, oh my God. but it's a time capsule Shane, why don't you give us a minute and say what say something for a minute to your child? What do you hope for them so that they share this in 20 years? I hope you're having a, a lot of fun, whatever you're doing. I hope you're working your ass off. <laughs> and, uh, and you're learning a lot. And you're working with people who inspire you and make you want to be a better version of yourself. And hopefully you're doing something that is like accretive to the world and you're not just causing people to like waste time or money. But yeah, I think that's that's what I hope, right? Is like there is joy in working hard and learning a lot, especially in the early stages of your career. Because you're just like, oh man, I can do stuff. Who knew? And you're like, oh, oh, this is real. Oh, okay. And then there's like real joy in like interacting with people who are like very different from you. But you're like, wow, this guy's really good at XYZ or this woman is so amazing at that. Like I want to like get good at those things and it makes, it pushes you. So, and, and hopefully you're having fun. Like when you go to work all day, like you should probably try to have fun. But I would also say, and this is what I told everyone, every time I'm on a college panel, I say this thing, which is like, no job is 100% fun. 
every job has some drudgery to it. Okay, so that's life. You just have to find like what is the right balance for you. And what's the kind of drudgery? Like drudgery for person A is not the same as drudgery for person B. And if you can find a job that's like eighty percent fun and twenty percent drudgery, like that's pretty good. That's pretty good, right? But I think people, when you, you go to your first job, you expect it to all be amazing. And it's like, no, every job has paperwork. Every job has bureaucracy. Like, you just got to get used to it. And when you're starting and you're junior, your job probably has more drudgery. So that's okay. But you just need to see, like, a path to, like, more joy and less drudgery. Hashtag and recording. <laughs> <laughs> Put you in a, in a corner there. Uh, Wait, okay, are you gonna go? You gotta go. Oh, okay, I, I, okay. If I don't go, it'll be weird. But now I kind of regret asking the question in the Why? first place. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll do. I'll do it. I'm so. I'm so like. Okay. Hi, right, kids. Twenty <laughs> years in future. Your dad's still cool. Hopefully. Boo. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> I love you all very much, and I hope that you still feel loved and accepted. I have no idea what world you're living in and what technology you're using, and you're probably teaching your parents how to use the newest newfangled device and how to use our different things and i hope the world's still around and i don't know the world's getting better and technology and robots are not replacing you that you found some balance i hope that you're in good health right and that you're taking care of yourselves and that you're taking of each other as a family and i hope that in everything you do you are gifted with a sense of wonder and perseverance and hope right and I'm sure that y'all will do well, and I hope that life only has good things. Even though I know it's not going to be possible, but I can't help but continue to hope for good things for you and for yourselves. Boop. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh, there we go. Then he is just like then you go back in time. Then he's like delete recording. <laughs> do you want to save this recording? Delete. <laughs> then he just re-recorded like five times. Anyway. Thank you for listening to Brave. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. We would also appreciate you leaving a rating or review. Head over to www.bravesea.com for member content, resources, and community. Stay well and stay brave. Stay brave.